0: um Yes, it is my last um, message, which is super bizarre um, to be doing this. Quite emotional. Um, not overly emotional in front of people, but it's happening. So there we go. Um, yeah, moving to Australia. Um, but, you know, end of year can be very um, nuts. Like you, you don't really know what's happening uh, with everything being crammed in at the end of the year. So if I don't get a chance to say it properly, I do want to just say that... Um, Being part of this community over the last five years and serving has been one of the greatest joys and privileges of my life, and that's no exaggeration. So thank you so much for everything. Oh yeah. (laughs) Stop, stop. (sighs) Okay, right. Um, Right, so we're into Advent now. Let's get into the meat and potatoes. Um, We're into Advent now uh, in the lead up to Christ's birth, and uh, love is the first window we're gonna look through to uh, understand what that is. so um, let's talk about love and uh what i want to start with is the very first uh my very first intentional foray into the world of love that i can remember uh this is on valentine's day when i was 12 years old um this does not end well just in case you're wondering um so yeah i was 12 um and it was Valentine's Day, and over the the previous little while, I decided I'd taken quite a nice liking to a young lady named Zoe, and uh, Zoe was like the pretty popular girl, and then there was me. (laughs) I was like a foot shorter than her, and uh, I looked about eight years old, and I had like these gelled, slicked-down curtains, um, because everyone in England had that. I was living in England at the time. I was like a real sad David Beckham imitation or something like that. Nothing's changed. Anyway, so I decided it's Valentine's Day. I'm going to shoot my shot. And uh, what I did was I uh, did what any self-respecting 12-year-old boy would do. I stole money out of my mum's handbag. I cycled to the dairy and I bought a box of Maltesers and uh, took it home. And but that's not all that I did. I I decided to stick a poem on top of, with like a sticky note. Um, it said, um, <laughs> "Roses are red." Violets are blue, you hate me, but I love you. (laughs) I think my poetry has got better since then. Anyway, I was, next day on Valentine's Day, I was too shy to actually give it to Zoe. So I got my friend to take it to her on my behalf. And then obviously she didn't wanna come talk to me either. Um, So she sent a messenger, it was actually her sister. So bear in mind, this is England. I'm gonna do it exactly how I remember it because it's ingrained and singed into my memory, because it's so traumatic. Her sister comes and finds me and says, Zoe says thanks for the Maltesers, but you're really weird and you look like a rat. (laughs) Ouch, 12 year old girls, man. So anyway, um, yeah, that was awful. But the joke's on you Zoe, because when I was a teacher, I told that story to a lot of my students and a lot of mornings I'd come into my classroom and find a box of Maltesers waiting for me on my desk. Now, granted, that was a taunt and it often came with the little note saying to Rat Boy, Um, but you know, sugar's sugar, sugar, you know? So, it's okay. So, (laughs) I learned from that age that love was actually quite confusing. And as I've grown older, as I've been alive a little bit longer, I've sort of, as I've looked around the world, come to realize that actually love is still quite a confusing uh, concept for a lot of us. And um, as part of my research, I decided to watch season five of Love Island, and uh, it is the greatest season, um, still very, very confusing concept. So I turned to uh, lyrics, so I turned to some of our greatest poets and songwriters, and These are some of the things that uh, our greatest poets and songwriters say about love. Apparently, all you need is love. Uh, Love is in the air every time I look around. Uh, It must have been love, but it's over now. Uh, Love lifts us up where we belong. Sometimes I'm frightened, but I'm ready to learn of the power of love. That's for all you Celine fans. Maybe you should go and love yourself. What's love but a second-hand emotion? Um, I believe in a thing called love. Just listen to the rhythm of your heart. Are you done yet? I'm sort of starting to get bored of myself. Um, Love is only a feeling drifting away. Uh, Love lifts us up where we belong. Um, Love is an open door. Uh, Love is a battlefield. Love is a verb. Love is a game. Uh, Love is a many-splendid thing. Um, I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. (laughs) In the name of love, what more in the name of love? Hold up, wait a minute, put a little love in it. Um, I want to know what love is. Uh, I need you to help me. Um, Can you feel the love tonight? How deep is your love? Or sometimes just declarations of love that sound nice when you put it to music, but when you take it away from a song context, it sounds like the weirdest, most intense thing you've ever heard in your life. Like... I have died every day waiting for you, darling. Don't be afraid. I have loved you for a thousand years. I will love you for a thousand more. That's freaky. That is a what we call a <laughs> lyrical red flag. Um, <laughs> um, <sighs> last time, go out with a bang. So I think these vague and sometimes contradictory notions of love just go to show us that something that we think, which is that love is really important. Uh, but that we don't necessarily agree on exactly what love is. Um, and interestingly, this conundrum is not just limited to wider culture. I think this sort of exists in the church context as well. We sort of use love in a very loose way sometimes. So I hate to do it, but sometimes our, lo- our worship songs often exhibit um, these kind of confusions. Is heaven and earth meeting really like a sloppy wet kiss? Um Is God's love seriously though is God's love really reckless is that the adjective we want to use and and what is my response to it supposed to be Um, if God loves me is it enough to just believe it and get on with my life Um, is it like some sort of cosmic pat on the back Um, I think often we like the idea of God loving us without really doing the work of coming to understand what this love actually is so what is the love of God And I think, particularly in today's spiritual climate, um, we've got, I think, an attitude towards it where uh, it doesn't actually matter too much what we believe, like the contents of our faith, as long as we're kind of a loving person, that's what really is important. Um, And so I found, actually, these lyrics this week, I came across them, which I think really sums up this kind of attitude. So this is by an artist called Rachel Louise, and she says, "'Even though I'm not religious, "'I just had a talk with Jesus, Heaven knows he used to make me sad, but he told me from a distance while I questioned my existence, it's enough to love and get love back, and I can believe in that. So, you know, read between the lines what's happening. It doesn't really matter what you believe. Don't need to worry too much about the dogmatic stuff. As long as you sort of love people, that's probably okay. And I think this is pretty common in and actually outside of the church. Like, oh, let's not worry about what we believe too much. Let's just focus on being loving people, but again, I don't think we necessarily agree on what loving people actually is. And, and again, this is in the theological world, not, well, not just in songs. This is a, by a, a theologian called Derek Flood. He says this, "'Of course we can argue over what the Bible says, "'but one thing is utterly clear. "'Jesus teaches us to love people, not hate them, "'not make them feel hate, "'and not to stand by while that is happening. From the perspective of the New Testament, there is simply no room for doubt on this. There's actually no room for doubt on a few more things than just loving people, I think. So it's interesting that this kind of exists in all these different spheres. <clears throat> but is it enough to love? Um, don't we have to know some things about God too? Um, isn't being a Christian more than just being nice to each other? Uh, this is not a new conversation at all. and. One of my personal frustrations is that often these sort of conversations frame themselves as being quite a sophisticated response to uh, what they feel is like limiting Christian theology. Um, But actually, this sort of conversation has been around for a long, long time. And what I want to do is actually just give you an example from something exactly like this from 500 years ago. People say exactly the same thing. So I want to introduce you to two people. On the left here we have John Calvin, and then on the right here we have another guy called Sebastian Castellio. And these were two theologians that were having basically this exact same conversation 500 years ago. John calvin who's probably the more well-known uh, he was really involved in the protestant reformation and at this time uh, it was a heavy critique of the catholic church uh, which essentially had been using church functions in in a way that didn't really match up with the gospel and so you had all these reformers basically saying hey we need to remember what we're actually about and actually have church function in a way that reflects that um, so calvin was one of those important figures um, and what really became important for john calvin was Inner transformation. Uh, But what happened within that process is that for the first time, authority stopped being something that was in the church and authority about what was true became centered on each individual. So that was a really big shift 500 years ago. And we actually stand in the legacy of a lot of that today. And Calvin took this even further. um, And he wanted to locate the real source of truth, particularly in your mind, like what you believe is the most important thing. So he said, believing the right things about God is the most important thing. And sometimes for Calvin, unfortunately, he supported like quite violent opposition to the people that didn't believe this. And so he was heavily criticized for that. So, because what the most important thing was actually believing the right doctrines and not how those actually got reflected in your life. So enter Castellio. And Castellio was a student of Calvin And he was more interested in a lived life. Uh, And he saw that with an increased emphasis on just sort of ideas, people became less interested in loving well and started to look like the tyrants they were actually supposed to be opposing. Um, And he said um, these words, I do not see how we can retain the name of Christian if we do not imitate his clemency and mercy. And I think he's got a point, you know, if we don't love, sort of doesn't matter what you believe, you're not sort of reflecting that in your life. So. Perhaps you can understand where, where Castelio is coming from. Um, so instead of giving superiority to doctrine, he saw Christianity primarily as a religion of love, uh, but that the Christian language was just there to kind of explain this religion of love, but the language wasn't that important. And we can see what he's getting at, um, but my hunch is, is, that our culture would kind of be more on the side of Castelio right now, and be like, actually, yeah, Castellio's right. Maybe it doesn't matter so much about what we believe there's a problem with that it's a sort of a misunderstanding of what calvin was saying i think so for calvin the only reason we know what love even looks like is because god has first shown us Um, so theology and a lived life actually needs to come together even if he went too far with some of that like he's not perfect but the problem with castellio is and we stand in the heritage of this too he set up a false binary between a lived life and belief. And he split those two things up. Actually, those two things have to live together for us to actually live in love truthfully and fully. Are you with me so far? Okay, cool. So the the problem with with this kind of thinking is um, if all we need to do is be nice to each other, why bother with all this birth, life, death, and resurrection stuff? What's the point? Why, why do all of that if God could just say, just be cool, you guys, <laughs> you know? Um, because I think, and this is really important, major, major element of the gospel message is that we can't actually love well. We don't have it in us. We can't really do it. We can't hold our end of the bargain up. Um, we don't love God and others in ways that we should. Um, we can't uphold our end of the bargain. We actually need God's intervention so this belief stuff is absolutely essential to knowing what love is. So what then is the love of God? Do we, do we have some sort of definition? Well, probably the closest thing that we have to a definition in Scripture is one word that keeps popping up again and again to describe the type of love that God is. And it's this word, hesed. Um, and this word is found more than 200 times in the Old Testament. And uh, it's usually translated into a bunch of different words. And often, when you read through Psalms, what you're reading is multiple translations of the same word. So, this is often translated into uh, things like mercy, faithfulness, goodness, loyalty, uh, loving kindness, or loyal love. Uh, it's a love that holds on to you no matter what. Um, it's generosity, loyal commitment, strong feelings of affection. Or to put it maybe more concisely, it's promise keeping love. It's a love that promises to stay with you and then does. Um, it's a love that holds on to you no matter what, that commits to you even when you turn your back on it. It will not give up. Um, that's the love of God. That's what it means to love. That is what love is. Um, an enduring commitment that sticks to its promises and won't let you go. That's probably the closest we have to a definition of the love of God. And actually, we see this echoed in the song of Mary that we just heard. Um, and when she thanks God, she expresses this exact sentiment. She says, he has helped to serve in Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made our ancestors to Abraham and his descendants forever. So she realizes that God just hasn't given her, uh, hasn't just given her a son to give birth to, but that this child is actually the answer to all the promises of God that he has made to his people. This child is the Hesed of God, arriving as a human being. Uh, God has kept his promises or... To put it another way, this is covenantal love. Um, It's a love that has bound itself to us. So it's a love that commits through everything uh, because it's promised to do that. And actually we live in a world of contractual love where the agreements are like time bound. It's like you do this and I'll do this for this period of time because we're agreed in a contract. And after that, time comes to an end or let's say you break the contract or I break the contract it's over that's kind of just how it works it's a little agreement covenant love is not like this covenant love is um, I am bound to you no matter what Um, it's about pledging yourself to someone it's a completely different way of of going about it so the name Emmanuel God with us isn't just a lovely sentiment of extra value comfort and peace but the irreversible reality that God is with us and will be with us always and won't ditch us because now he is one of us. Um, he is bound to us. It's loyal love like this in the flesh. And this type of love is such good news because every human being that's ever been in a relationship with this God shows that we can't love him uh, and others in the way that we should. Uh, it's just too much it's got to be grace there's got to be a part where God does the stuff that we can't do because we're not capable of loving like this this is very good news that God steps into the gap so I want to read you a a very dense and amazing (laughs) theological passage from T.F. Torrance and he says this in these words I think it's brilliant let this wash over you God loves you so utterly and completely that he has given himself for you in Jesus Christ, his beloved son, and has thereby pledged his very being as God for your salvation. In Jesus Christ, God has actualized his unconditional love for you in human nature in such a once and for all way that he cannot go back upon it without undoing the incarnation and the cross and thereby denying himself. Jesus Christ died for you precisely because you are sinful and utterly unworthy of him and has thereby already made you his own before and apart from you ever believing in him. Therefore, repent and believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's probably as old school as I'm ever gonna sound uh, at at a pulpit, right? I don't remember ever saying the word repent, but um, repent, admit that you're in need of this love. Um, And you can't live without this type of love. Um, This is the type of love that all the other versions and all the love songs and chick flicks and Ed Sheeran lyrics are all reaching towards. I can't live up to this type of love. You know, I'm, by all measures, a pretty bad Christian. (laughs) But, you know, this type of love actually exposes you um, in your inability to reflect it. And this is the thing with God's love is that you receive something so amazing and unconditional and then you look at yourself and you're like, oh, I can't respond to that properly. Um, God loves me like that and I sort of return the favor in a pretty half-baked way, you know? So in my inability to, to love, Jesus has joined himself to all of us uh, before we're even aware of what that means. Um, and repenting and believing is just waking up to this reality and admitting you need it. So <clears throat> I think uh, in the lead up to Christmas, we're given something to truly celebrate. Um, now we know what love looks like. Um, we're all recipients of this. It's pretty amazing. Um, and it's, it's good news because it means that no matter what this world seems to suggest about life, uh, God has in his very being absolutely committed himself to us Uh, but it also comes i think with a challenge Um, if we are people defined by this kind of love um, we have to recognize that this is exactly the type of love that the world needs and so the invitation is there for us especially at christmas to ask will you let yourself be part of it do you want in on this is the question i think because the message isn't just about uh, what we receive, but how we participate in this. By the Spirit, we actually get to be part of ushering in a new reality or a new kingdom um, defined by this kind of love. Um, So no, (laughs) it's not just about being nice to each other. It's not just about believe God loves you. The message is life and belief together, like we talked about. A trust that this love Is the deepest and truest reality because this reality is what God is like Uh, and if we really believe that we live into it and we live into it when we are given reasons to feel inferior uh, about the people that we are asked to love when we are treated like second-rate citizens we're still asked to display that kind of love when we are forgotten or neglected or overlooked Uh, when we are hurt more than we can think we can bear, Um, when love feels like too much of a risk, Uh, when we feel like we only give and never receive, when we're tired, or when it seems like there's actually no end to conflict and division of the worst sorts. We're still asked to 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 love like this. And you see this so clearly in in the night before um, he's crucified, Jesus, when he's betrayed by Judas, before he's betrayed, he's washing Judas's feet. Do you see what's going on? It's not he doesn't let anything get in the way of this hesed, this covenantal love. And interestingly, his words operate in that context. He says, "Love one another, as I have loved you," so that You must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, often we hear that and just say, we just hear love one another. But the important part of that is, as I have loved you, paying attention to the kind of love that we have received. Yeah, that's what we are participating in is that kind of love. We actually do know what it looks like. And it's costly, but that is what the world needs. So, Christmas uh, is a celebration that, you know, God's love has come in the flesh, and we are asked to believe it. Uh, And that means to take it seriously by not just protecting the definition theologically, (laughs) but to realize that we are in need of it ourselves, and then to begin to show this to the world. So, again, to repent is to accept how deeply loved you are by this God in all your rebellion and weakness. So let me just read to you, um, I've just got a few reflection questions as we come to an end. So feel free to make yourself comfortable, close your eyes, listen to the spirit, see what God might have to say to you as we think about this type of love. I'm just gonna ask you a few questions and we'll see, see if God wants to say anything to you. So I've touched on a couple of things here, but maybe you need something in particular today. Maybe you want to ask God um, for some sort of revelation or some sort of um, awareness of the reality of this kind of love. Maybe you've got to a point where maybe you don't, you're do not you not able to believe that this kind of love uh, really is around. Maybe you need to feel that in a new way. Maybe you need to ask God to come to you in that way. Maybe... Uh, you are sick of playing it safe. (laughs) Maybe you're one of those people um, who once, maybe a long time ago, you were once really captivated by this love and you realized how deep and wide and just how much love was for you. Um, And you are often lost in the wonder of it. Um, Maybe life just happened and you feel like you've lost that first love. Maybe God wants to say to you, actually, (laughs) That's the reality I want you to discover again. And Christmas is this invitation. Maybe uh, you need help by the Spirit to love in the midst of hurt. Maybe you are feeling a bunch of different things. Maybe life has come at you in some pretty unfair ways. And you need God's Spirit to say, I need to participate in this hessed love because I can't do it by myself. And if none of that feels like it's speaking to you, um, maybe actually we need to have maybe a stronger commitment to pray for our church, um, to show us new ways, not just to put on great services as we've talked about, um, but to also as disciples of Jesus to be known for this kind of love. Um, So maybe something about that is speaking to you too. St. Augustine's is being called into this, I think. Just want to share one more story and then um, i'll pray and that'll be it um i just want to tell you a story of a an explorer called uh, ernest shackleton who uh, visited the antarctic um, at the beginning of the uh, 20th century um, and was reported to have recounted the following he said uh, shackleton said that his worst moment occurred one night in an emergency hut he and his fellows were lying there he rather apart from the rest uh, they had given out the ration of the last biscuits. There was nothing more to divide. Every man thought the other was asleep. He sensed a stealthy movement and saw one of the men turning to see how the others were faring. He made up his mind that all were asleep and then stretched over to the next man and took uh, his biscuit bag and removed the biscuit. Shackleton lived through an eternity of suspense. Would He, ha- uh, he would have trusted this, uh, his life in the hands of that man. Was he turning out a thief under terribly tragic circumstances, stealing a man's last biscuit? Uh, Then Shackleton sensed another movement. He saw the man open his own box, take the biscuit out of his own bag and put it in his comrades. And then return the man's biscuit and stealthily put his bag back at the man's side. Shackleton said, I dare not tell you that man's name. I felt that act was a secret between himself and God. Mm. <laughs> that's hesed love that is giving yourself to others and that's what we're being asked to to enter into it's amazing it's what the world needs this is what we're here for so let me pray for you for the last time and yeah lord thank you that uh we cannot search the sheer scale of your love for us and just how committed you are to us and thank you for binding yourself to us in the person of jesus um and thank you that we know what love is um we know what we're really longing for and that you offer it to us and lord would you uh, give us the strength and the joy um, to enter into that love to be known for that kind of love as well help us to accept the invitation uh, that you want us to join in with you in that amen